And I would say to pastors, if any pastor is listening to this, uh, no one knows how to do this. We've never done it before. No one's ever done it before. So uh, we're all in the same boat. We're learning as we go. We're going to um, learn a better way from what we did last time. And uh, even when we get past this crisis, whenever that is, no one knows. But when that is and the doors are open and people can come back to church, we now have an open door of ministry, maybe a new mission field that we never really considered before. Hello and welcome into this edition of Radio BNR. I'm your host, Chris Turner, Director of Communications at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Today our guest is Bruce Chesser, pastor at First Baptist Church Hendersonville, Tennessee, and currently our Tennessee Baptist Convention president. Bruce, welcome in. Thanks, Chris. How are you today? Doing really well, uh, given the fact that I've been in my garage for the past three weeks working from home with the uh, COVID Uh, thing, but I'm sure I'm paddling the same boat a lot of other people are. No doubt. So, um, well, then that really is uh, one of the things we want to talk about. Uh, You know, we've talked about uh, a topic of conversation these days is the COVID-19 slash coronavirus and just the way that life rapidly was altered um, just just in the past month of, as this really started picking up traction, not only in the United States, but here in Tennessee and especially in Middle Tennessee. But um, what, from your pastoral perspective, do you see are some of the biggest changes that uh, people have dealt with over these past few weeks? Well, it's from a church perspective, it's hard to... Uh, name anything that has not been touched by it. Um, the employees that we have, the uh, ministries that we um, ha- have, the uh, ministries, missions that we support, every level is uh, affected. And when you're dealing with a church, you've got so many people that uh, church is its not just something they do, it's really a part of who they are. Mm-hmm. And to lose that is a part of their identity, uh, it's not just, oh, I didn't get to go to church this week. It's a real loss of something that is very significant in their life. It's a loss of something that's significant in my life. And though we are learning a new paradigm for doing ministry, which I think, Chris, going forward is going to open some doors for us that we've never really uh, adequately addressed. And uh, even when we get past this crisis, whenever that is, no one knows but when that is and the doors are open and people can come back to church, we now have an open door of ministry, maybe a new mission field that we never really considered before. I think most churches in the past, we you know, we put a little countdown up on the screen. It says the service will begin in two minutes and 20 seconds. It counts down. And when it starts, someone hits a switch and they basically watch what is happening at the church. There's very little thought been given to it. There's been no effort really at connecting it's just if you can't come to church if you're sick if you're out of town you can watch i think this is going to open up a whole new door for a ministry opportunity that we've never really considered before yeah it's almost as if uh, the online service has been uh, an accommodation or an add-on but I really hear what you're saying, and we're hearing a lot of pastors say this from across the state, that uh, now it really is seen as a strategic outreach tool 
to pull people in who might not be able to be there, but to really minister to an audience that might not be going to a church literally anywhere in the world, but but to look at it from that perspective of this is an opportunity to to extend the ministry of the church rather than than just you know provide an online service. Absolutely. So, well, one of the things that uh, is a major adjustment for people is the whole side of the funeral aspect of it. Uh, churches obviously play a, a large role in uh, just the passing of a loved one and, and uh, the ministry to the church and ministry to, um, to, to family members. And you've really had to make some adjustments in that area just in the past couple of weeks on a, on a personal level as far as you know, your personal ministry. Um, this is not something that has been put on pause. In fact, at the heart of this whole coronavirus thing is you know pre- the projected um, deaths that may come out of it. What are some of the things you've had to do pretty quickly here on the front end to adjust the way that you might have done some of the funerals over the past couple, two, three weeks that, that you would have normally done in one way, you've had to make the adjustments. What are some of those adjustments you've made? Well, since this all started, I've personally had uh, four or five funeral services to help take care of, and it's, uh, it's adjusted those and changed those drastically, and it's going to affect us going forward. Uh, as you know, for Tennessee, Middle Tennessee and the metro area here has been hardest hit. And it seems, well, other than Shelby County, but it seems as though uh, Davidson County and Sumner County, uh, where we're located, um, are among the hardest hit. Uh, we had an outbreak uh, the weekend before last in a nursing home here. My mother happened to be a resident in that nursing home, was tested positive, and uh, one of our local hospitals was just uh, inundated with uh, patients overnight. Um, they have had a rate of a death a day, uh, which is very unusual for that particular hospital. Uh, so there, there are a lot of deaths uh, related to this. Um, the result of that is manifold when it comes to a ministry standpoint. I had a call yesterday. One of our active members died, not from coronavirus, but um, in in the midst of this pandemic, uh, we can't go see his wife. We can't Mm. uh, minister in the ways that we normally do. It's all through telephone calls and those kinds of things. So just the ministry level changes, the actual technical taking care of the services changes. And I would say to pastors, if any pastors listening to this, uh, no one knows how to do this. We've never done it before. No one's ever done it before. So uh, we're all in the same boat. We're learning as we go. We're going to um, learn a better way from what we did last time. And, and a pastor should not feel uh, bad about that. Uh, we're, we're all in the same boat in that regard. And so we talk to the particular funeral home that we're dealing with at that time. Each, each I, What I've discovered in, in the five I've done over the past uh, month, each one, a different funeral home has been handled just a little bit differently. So we we kind of follow their protocol and we do the best we can to minister th- to the family. You know, there are a lot of um, elements of this, Chris. So on, on one hand, you've got families who can't be with a loved one that's in the hospital. Now, I just went through that with my mother. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I couldn't go see her at the nursing home. They were quarantined. And then the nursing home had an outbreak, and every resident of the nursing home, every single resident, not just those that tested positive, every single resident was transported to a hospital because they had to, to completely clean out the nursing home to rid it of this uh, virus. Uh, and all of those people now are in nursing homes, or excuse me, in hospitals where no one can go and visit them. Uh, and, and to try to call, if, put yourself in the situation of the hospital people. They don't have time to be answering phone calls to go check on Aunt Susie or grandmother because they're caring for Aunt Susie mm-hmm. and grandmother. They're they're uh, they're unbelievably uh, swamped on one hand. You've got I know this from personal experience. You've got family wanting to know what's going on and feeling guilty that they can't be there. You probably have the patient that if they are aware and alert that uh, they're lonely, they're probably scared and anxious and all of those kinds of things. So you've got that element of it. Then when someone dies, you not only have the issue of how to minister to that family, but the family has to deal with those issues. And as you know, Chris, one of the things about the way we do funerals, particularly in our our culture in the South and and uh, even more specifically in our culture in the South as Christians, those of us who are active in church and and the things of the Lord, we know how important in the healing process the funeral service and the celebrating mm-hmm. and the coming together as friends. We know how important all of that is. And when you can't do that, uh, some of these people are not getting any closure. And... Uh, They've got several decisions to make. Uh, they could go ahead and have a very small service with the 10 people or fewer. Uh, they could live stream. Many, many, many of our funeral homes now are live streaming funerals so that people that can't come can can watch. But some families just don't find that personal enough, and that's just not the way they want to do it. So they are opting to go ahead and have the graveside and that that's what I've done in, in these that I've had. It's just me and a very small group of family members. And we have the time at the graveside and the body, uh, the casket is placed into the grave. And we determine that later when all this is over, we're going to come back and have a celebration. The thing is, we don't know when that's going to be. Yeah. Uh, are we talking about this summer? Are we talking about this fall? Are we talking about next year? We don't know. And and that just leaves a question mark and a lack of closure and a little guilt and a lot of things going on that we've got to figure out how to minister to these people to help them deal with all of those things. Yeah, I think a big thing that you pointed out, you know, this unfortunately didn't come with a manual uh, for for. <laughs> You know, not that many of us men would have read the manual to begin with, but uh, we didn't didn't get the manual. But there's several things you touched on that that I'd like to just uh, kind of go back through. I, I think the first is the the pastor. Um, you know, we talk about the emotional toll on the families, and and that is there, and that's true. They're dealing with one death, but if this thing picks up the way that some of the projections show. You know, some of some of you guys, uh, depending on where you live and the volume, could be dealing with multiple um, situations 
where what you have done in the past in ministering to a family has increased in volume, but then become more difficult because of the, the social distancing and separation. Whereas you might have personally visited with somebody, now you're having to, to deal with um, you know, using other means and tools to try and provide that same level of, of personal, uh, personal ministry. Mm-hmm. How, how, do, how do you see yourself dealing with what could, could very much be an emotional challenge for a pastor who's having to deal with multiple um, possible COVID deaths in his church? And then, you know, what, what would you just share with a pastor that might, uh, might encourage them or help them to, to not be so emotionally burdened um, by, you know, by the situation? Well, I think we all go back to the roots of our faith, that uh, life is good, life is wonderful, and we want to live every day that God has planned for us on earth, but we go back to the very basics of what we believe, and that is that from the day that we were um, formed in our mother's womb, that God has had a plan for us, and that God has numbered our days, and he knows what those are. Now, we, we didn't know what that was for us or for anyone else, and and so we had not planned on it being uh, coronavirus. Uh, we had planned on living to 98 years and eight months and mm-hmm. dying on the beach in Hawaii. You know, <laughs> that was just the way it was going to be. But God knew what our the end of our life was going to be. So it, we just had to go back to the basics of, of our faith that none of this has caught the Lord God by surprise. And as much as we miss someone that has left this world, they are going into what has been promised, that is eternity, and is, if any of us could glimpse into eternity and see what our loved ones have experienced, we would not for a second want them to have to come back and experience things mm-hmm. in this world anymore. So we, I think we just go back to our faith to the basics of what we believe about eternity. And, and you always have to be careful when you say something like that because uh, people can, can read into that. Well, if, if heaven's so good, then I just, you know, let's just go ahead and take our lives right now and be gone. No, we, we want to live every day God gives us on earth. And for me, here's the thing. I, I don't want to miss one day that God has planned for me. I mm. want to live every single day fully, but I don't want to live one extra day. Yeah. I, I don't want to be here one day past what God has planned for me. So, so live every day, live it fully, rejoice in the Lord. This is the day the Lord's made. But when that time has come for someone that we care about and we love, we're, we're going to celebrate that they have gone to the place that he prepared for them a long time ago. Now, every pastor knows that the hard part is is helping the family, the the believer. Now, it's a different matter when you're talking about an unbeliever who dies. Mm. When, when you're talking about a believer that has died, uh, the hard part is for the family, helping them to get through that. And so here's what we're going to have to deal with as pastors. We're going to have these graveside services. We're going to comfort about eight or ten people, and in some cases it's less than that because you've got a funeral director, you've got a couple of, uh, of cemetery workers who are actually doing the burial itself. You've got the pastor. And so when the, when the limitation at this moment is 10 or less, all of those people are part of that 10 or less. So you're not talking about having very many people there. And then um, 
you celebrate that and they put the body into the grave or the crypt or whatever the case may be, and in ever how many months it is, we're going to have a a lineup of celebration services to have. Yeah. I, I think that's going to be a very difficult time for pastors when you've got pick a number based on where you live and how bad your community was hit. But it's not just people who die from COVID, just the normal natural deaths that are occurring during this time because of other things, yeah. heart attacks or, or age or whatever it happens to be. All of those are stacking up and, and it, pastors are going to have to be prepared somewhere down the road when all of this starts catching up and, and all these memorial services start uh, being calendared and that that's going to be an emotional period of time for a pastor. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume, um, you, whether, whether you've had time to really think through that or not and how to prepare for that. Um, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely, you know, the reality that, uh, you know, pastors are looking at, I was talking with the funeral director just a little while ago. And he said that since March, they service about 300 families a year. And since March, about 75% of the people that they, uh, families that they've um, served are planning to have a memorial service. Now, obviously not all of those folks went to the same church, but it does give an indication that if, you know, he said that 75% of those that their church has served um, plan that memorial service, you, you are talking about pastors doing a lot of memorial services in a very short period of time. Um, any And my guess is my guess is that most people at that point um I, I, like I said we haven't walked through this before so uh, I I went back and looked and my seminary never offered <laughs> a class on how to handle pandemics. So yeah. none of us know this, but my guess is that when that time comes months down the road and families start getting ready to organize these memorial services they're probably just going to call their church. Mm-hmm. I doubt they're going to go back through a funeral home and consider expense and things that would go along with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're not going to be dealing with anybody. They're not going to be dealing with any hearse. They're not going to have all of those details. They just need to have a memorial service. And my guess is they're going to be calling us as pastors in the churches to handle that in our churches. So there's just another little um another little element that we're all going to have to deal with somewhere down the road. Well, and it does sound like, you know, what you're saying is you're talking about that. I'm thinking, you know, now is the time for churches to begin to get a plan in place for how they're going to manage that. Um, Absolutely. Sitting down as a staff, uh, maybe even coming up with a plan for how the church will deal with that. Um, you know, whether it's rotate ministers or, you know, something that to give people some guidelines, especially if, you know, a church, as you say, is in a particular area that's been harder hit, but, but, but maybe even to have some kind of guidelines for people ahead of time so that, you know, they're not having to make things up as they go along. Well, you know, even something as simple as uh, providing a meal for a family at a funeral, most of our churches do that. Uh, I, I think a lot of churches, they're connect groups, Sunday school class, whatever they call their small groups, they will do that for members of their group. And then uh, people that are not in a small group, the church generally has some 
mechanism, some organization that some way that they provide a meal for a family that attends their church that is not a part of um, of a connect group. But those are spread out through the whole year. So, you know, it, it's it's no burden on any person because it's it's spread out among 12 months of the year and it's spread out among all of your connect groups. But now all of a sudden, all of these are going to be coming in, in a short order in a pretty um, compact period of time. So you're thinking about people that are cooking the food yeah. and 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 the same people are being called on maybe multiple days over a period of time and 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 people want to do that kind of thing they yeah. really do and and it it's a part of the ministry that our churches give to each other but it is something that has to be done and it is something that has to be organized and you've got to do some planning for that yeah and I, again i think you know to begin this that type of organizational preparation you know, there's one of the things that uh, Randy Davis, our state exec, has put a lot of emphasis on the past couple of years is uh, pastoral mental health. And so I think one of the things just that I'm thinking about as you're talking about this is, you know, pastors need to begin to, if they don't already have that network of other pastors or someone that they can, you know, talk to, to, to help them deal with, you know, some emotional burden and some of that type of, of aspect that'll come with this, they really need to kind of get that su- their personal support in place so that when, you know, this does drain them, uh, they, they, they have somebody that they can reach out to. Wouldn't you say that would be something that pastors need to be careful with? Absolutely. And uh, our, our, the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board offers help with that most not most but many of our associations offer their pastors help for that uh there are churches like ours that offer help for that we've got a counseling ministry that would be happy to help any pastor that was dealing with those kinds of issues and just needed um, a resource um that there there's help available but on a very basic level just friends talking to friends Mm -hmm. and whether that comes through your associational pastors conference or just having uh, telephone conversations with a pastor here and a pastor there. I mean, I've got, I've got pastors that I call weekly, almost to a point where on a specific day of the week, I know a pastor that I'm going to be calling that day because I call him every week on that day. And we just talk about life and, and families and ministry and what's going on and, what are you beating your head against right now and, and what's encouraging to you? And those are the kind of conversations that we all need. If nothing else, it helps us all to realize that we're not alone. We're not the only one facing the frustration. And nobody really knows all the answers to this. We're all trying to figure it out as we get through it. Yeah, and I think that's a big thing for pastors, you know, because pastors want to serve well, period, regardless of whether there's a COVID virus or anything like that. I mean, they, you know, they call in the ministry and they have a passion for what they do. And, you know, their desire is to see people move forward in their faith. So, you know, that's that's just a given with, with pastors. Um, and pastors want to do that ministry well. Uh, but, you know, the thing that, that pastors really need to understand during this time is exactly what you're saying. That there is there is nobody who has it figured out, and it's kind of like everybody is getting the, you know, on-the-job training with it. 
So the, just those key basic elements of compassion for people, desire to minister, staying close to the Lord, asking the Lord for wisdom and grace and praying for people. I mean, those really are the fundamental elements of, of how a pastor can best serve a family during this time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But you had also yeah. mentioned something else going back to, you know, family members calling uh, hospitals and those types of things. Um, you know, it is a difficult time and, and families have gone through, you know, the, the process of losing someone very close to them. Um, but, a, a, you know, a, a gentle word to people would be have some grace during this time because there are people on the other side like ministers and like funeral homes and medical people that uh, are stretched thin. Um, there is uh, the you know limited resources in a lot of ways, or those resources have been stretched. But but just important to to have that to to exude grace where one is also expecting some grace. And you know, I don't want to put those words in your mouth because uh, you know I mean just coming from a pastor. But I think it's something you would you would advise people just to remember is. I, I, you know, absolutely. I, th- I think you said that um, very well. Um, everybody needs grace, and and uh, I think sometimes our, our members expect us to have answers for everything and always know the right thing to say, and um, sometimes we don't, and we're learning as we go, and um, we, we all do need to express grace to each other. And, you know, just dealing with the anxiety of it, yeah. um, the, the the fear for some people I think I think there are several things we can do uh, one is keeping a sense of humor you know yeah. I, I think joking really does have a, a therapeutic value to it to deal with stress and and uh, this is not the end of the world we're going to come through this I do think God may be trying to get our the world's attention mm-hmm. and uh, it's kind of like uh, you go to a play before before the play starts or maybe during the intermission, they flick the lights a little bit just to tell you that it, you need to get ready. It's about to start. I think God may be flicking the lights a little bit and uh, trying to get people's attention. But uh, I would suge- I would suggest to people that they keep uh, a, a sense of humor, uh, I, that they talk to people, being sharing with people, letting them know how you feel. That's very therapeutic. Certainly pray, 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 pray. We ought to pray more than we've ever prayed. Mm-hmm. We ought to read the Bible. The Bible's so full of promises and helping us deal with anxiety. Um, and then just, you know, very practical thing. And and I think we pastors probably need to hear this as much as anybody else. Get our mind on something else sometime. You know, you spend all day making phone calls to your members and dealing with these issues and and preparing everybody now is is uh, preaching their messages and doing their Wednesday night Bible studies differently. And and for, for a lot of guys, that's stressful because they're not used to looking into a camera. And and it's just, it's different. So find some way to get your mind on something else and to have some downtime, whether that's taking a walk or putting a puzzle together or walking the dog or watching a movie, whatever it is, we, we all just need to stay emotionally, spiritually, and physically healthy. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, one of the key elements of this is 
Um, I saw somebody that said, um, you know, the two best things you can do uh, regarding the whole COVID thing is the first thing is turn off the news. And then the second <laughs> thing is go for a walk. So, uh, you know, just get the separation because you can kind of get fixated on that. Uh, I've, I've lost six pounds just because of how much I, I walk. I'm dispersed uh, here at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board as everybody else is. And I've got my computer set up on my workbench uh, in my garage. So I've, you know, it's not ideal. It is what it is. Uh, you know, as many uh, wise people have already said, you know, it's a season. Um, you know, God willing, the season will pass sooner than later. That's what we're paying, praying for. Um, but uh, during the season, you know, what is it that God's trying to tell us? And I, th- right. I think the best way to do that is to uh, uh, just turn the noise off and, uh, you know, listen to what the Holy Spirit's trying to say. So, well, Dr. Chester, I really appreciate you taking some time with this. This is obviously uncharted waters for um, for pastors and the rest of us as we navigate, uh, you know, this journey through life. And, you know, for the believer, it is a journey. Um, we are sojourners. This is not our home. It's not our destination. Um, and, you know, pastors are doing the best they can to, to help family members with that that loved one that has made that transition onto uh, that eternal reward. So appreciate your time with, with this. And uh, we may check in down the road just to see kind of, you know, some other tips if, if you have come up with any uh, throughout the next coming weeks. Good to talk to you, Chris. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Radio BNR, a podcast production of the Baptist and Reflector, the official news journal of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded at baptistandreflector.org forward slash radio BR. The ministries of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. For more information, visit tnbaptist.org.